finds the lane and jams it down. Taking you behind the scenes and inside the locker room. You're listening to The Raptors Beat with Josh Lewinberg and Nikki Reyes on TSN 1050. The Raptors live here. Welcome to the Raptors Beat. Josh and Nikki here with you for another edition. And Josh, I feel like so much has happened since the last time we did a show before the All-Star break. We got to get started, though, with the wrap and talk about these last four games that we've seen from the Toronto Raptors since the return um, from All-Star. Two terrible losses, of course, to Charlotte, to Atlanta. And then they followed that up with two pretty good wins over the Brooklyn Nets. Now, the sky was falling, of course, in Raptorland when they lost by 32 to Charlotte. Then they lost by 27 to Atlanta. And I don't want to I don't want to dwell on this too much, Josh. But how much do you take from those losses? And should we is there any lingering concerns for you from those two losses, considering what we've seen in these last two wins that they've had? Not really. Um, I don't know, because those two losses, I think, in a lot of ways were anomalies for this Raptors team, right? I I mean, first of all, they very rarely get blown out to that degree, right? Like, they've had some bad losses this year, but not like 20, 30-point losses. And the reason being is because they tend to go on those little runs towards the end of the game. And I know that that can be annoying, too, those faux comebacks and we always make the joke oh the Raptors are within 14 points that's what tends to happen but as annoying as frustrating as those fake comebacks can be towards the end of the game where you know okay they're making a run that's not going to be enough but it it does sort of demonstrate a, a commendable quality that this team has in that they never quit but it did sort of seem both in Atlanta and Charlotte like all right they they sort of packed it in a little bit towards the end of the game they didn't make that run but then I also think whenever the Raptors have had those games so far this year those bad losses they tend to bounce back pretty quickly even in back-to-backs like they they were three and oh in the second night of a back-to-back after losing the first game so to come out in Atlanta and and not have that bounce back performance was sort of surprising and that's why I say like this was an anomaly as Nick Nurse has said for whatever reason the focus just wasn't there coming out of the break credit Nick Nurse and and I know a lot of people have been hard on him this week and and we will too to some degree once we talk about some other things perhaps maybe Malachi Flynn uh, later in the show but credit Nick Nurse uh, they had a longer than normal team meeting after that Atlanta game and clearly he got their attention because they have been much better in the two games against Brooklyn since then um how encouraged am i by what i've seen in these two games since um yeah i I mean i think i'd read more out of the wins than out of the losses even the wins like i I don't think i'm not saying okay well the raptors are back all is good now they were really impressive in that uh blowout 33 point win in brooklyn they weren't great on Tuesday, they played yeah. well enough, especially down the stretch, executing in order to get the win. I don't think they played great. Listen, I, I think the biggest concern for me, and this is not a new thing, but I do think it was reaffirmed in 
the games this week is that with without much depth, there's such a small margin for error with this team. So as we've seen, when they're fully healthy, when they're leaning heavily on their best players, this is a really good team. It can be a really good team. But once you remove a piece or two from that core, when one of those guys gets hurt or, or whatever it is, then they've looked pretty ordinary they can be good when they play really really hard but if that effort or the shot making isn't there then things can get pretty ugly so that that's where I think the concern would be for me now especially with a few of these guys banged up is that there there isn't a lot of room for error yeah, I absolutely agree. And we've been saying that all season, right? I think that was just my biggest concern, biggest takeaway from those two losses is that there really is no room for error. This team has to bring the effort and they have to execute it uh, to the fullest capacity because they're just not deep enough. They're just not good enough to, to take any, you know, any quarters off, any plays off at, at that. So um, I think there are things to learn, of course, from, you know, losses and the Raptors realize that, as, as Nick Nurse said, you know, we've got to start playing and stop being on vacation mode. And so I'm with you. I'm not really too concerned about those two games. That game against, you know, Charlotte, obviously Fred looked like he wasn't himself and, you know, has since not played, uh, you know, trying to get himself back uh, to shape. And, and with no OG, there's an adjustment there with him, you know, not in the starting lineup. Um, so I don't want to read too much into those. And I can't go the other way, too, either, and read too much into that blowout uh, win in Brooklyn and then the next night you know obviously Brooklyn put up a little bit more of a fight and the Raptors had a little bit more of a, a tougher time trying to squeak that one out so uh, I, I'm still kind of you know uh, on the fence about uh, which one is is truer to who the Raptors are but when we talk about Fred and we talk about OG the good news is that OG saw a specialist on Monday and that fracture in the ring finger isn't too serious like he potentially could play if he really needed to he's still in some pain but the good news is it doesn't sound like he's going to be sidelined for too much longer i guess the the question is about fred and and where fred is at so how concerned are you about the short and long-term health of, of both those guys yeah, well, I mean, Fred's been downplaying it, right? And, and that's that's Fred Van Vliet for you. Yeah, for all the will. For all the many similarities between Fred and, and Kyle, there's another one is that this guy is tough as nails. At times, he's his own worst enemy in terms of the injuries. He's going to play through anything if you allow him to, and that's why I think if you're the Raptors, you sort of need to protect him from himself a little bit, considering, of course, that, as I mentioned, you need these guys healthy in order to be anywhere close to their best. And if this is a team that truly has aspirations of not only squeezing into the playoffs, but making some noise in the playoffs, you're going to need Fred. You're going to need OG. So that's why I say, like, I'm not super concerned long term yet, but they need to be careful here, and especially with the schedule. Listen, I, I you don't want to underestimate the Pistons. The Raptors have made that no. mistake before. <laughs> and Orlando, I mean, they, they, they've got some talent too, but your reality is over the next two days, you're facing the two worst teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, you've got a game against San Antonio coming up later in the week as well. So this isn't like the most daunting of schedules. It's early March. You've got to have the big picture in mind. I don't, I don't know whether Fred or OG are going to play tonight or this week. I have a pretty good idea what the choice would be if you left it up to them. So I wouldn't 
mind the Raptors playing it safe and sitting those guys out for a few more games at least just to make sure that the knee is healing for Fred and the finger is healing for OG um yeah I mean I I just I just think you've got to have the the long-term big picture in mind when it comes to these nagging injuries absolutely and 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 early in the season I think you know Fred was kind of pushing through and powering through some things that may have been bothering him like his groin or whatever the case may have been because that was that was the need they needed to win and they there was really no choice at that point there were no other options but as we've seen these last two games the emergence or re-emergence uh, of Malachi Flynn who seemingly has come back from the dead and back into Nick Nurse's uh, good graces they have that luxury I suppose now and and maybe we can run um, the clip from Nick Nurse on Malachi Flynn how about that yeah, I've explained that already. Listen, we we gave him some shots early in the season, right? We gave him some chances, and he didn't didn't really look like he was ready to go, right? He just wasn't wasn't impacting, wasn't making shots, wasn't wasn't playing what I thought what we needed, right? And um, and uh, again, we talked about before the game, we gave him a few shots here and there lately, and he's he's produced, and that's that's the only thing I can judge it on. Right, you go out there and you play your minutes, and if you play well, I'm going to play you. Period. Right? If you don't, I can't, and that's that's just the facts of it. Okay, so there's Nick Nurse about Malachi Flynn and his game as of late, and why he hadn't played or hadn't been playing. I think we were all surprised, Josh, when we saw that Flynn was going to be getting the start uh, on Monday for Fred Van Vliet, and he's you know he he's done what he needs to do. He, he showed that he's prepared, that he's ready, that he can execute, uh, and, and he, he let help lead this team. But do you think Flynn should have been playing more up to this point? I do. I, I get what Nick is saying because I, 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 I agree. Like, they gave him some chances. We saw him here and there. And to Nick's point, Flynn wasn't very good. Like, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't shooting the ball well. He wasn't running the offense very well. He wasn't defending great. Like, he wasn't, he certainly wasn't playing consistently. So, Nick's not wrong in that statement. But at the same time, with a young player, when you're throwing the guy out there for five minutes at a time, the role is inconsistent. He doesn't know when he's going to be out there. When he is out there, he doesn't know if he makes a mistake. Are you? Am I coming out immediately? Like, th- that's that's really tough for a young player. It's really tough for any player, but it's really, really tough for a young player given where his confidence level was at after essentially losing his job in training camp. Because remember, Flynn had a great ending to last season. He was yeah. one of the lone bright spots late last year and comes into this season as the presumed backup point guard, I know that his expectation, the expectation of of those close to him in his camp coming into the season was that he was the backup point guard after Lowry left during the offseason. For whatever reason, things didn't go well for him in training camp. And I think Delano Banton is a bit of a rap, more of a Raptors-y style of player and probably fit sure. Nick Nurse's system better just in terms of his size, his length, versatility, maybe the defense and, and his ability to push the ball a little bit. But for whatever reason, Flynn lost the job. His confidence, understandably, was not where it needs to be in order to perform consistently. But I always say this with with young players and with bench players is it's chicken and the egg, right? Like you, you 
can't necessarily expect him to perform well if the minutes in the role aren't there. Nick is looking at it the other way around, where the minutes aren't going to be there if the performance isn't there, but he can't play well. He can't play consistently if he's literally not playing consistently. So I look at it from the Raptors' standpoint as they wanted this to be a development year they 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 viewed this as a development year all along it's the reason why Goran Dragic wasn't playing like for all this talk this week of boo Goran and Goran this Goran that like the Raptors made the decision and Nick Nurse alluded to it before the game against Brooklyn on Tuesday the Raptors made the decision to pull Goran from the rotation early in the year because they wanted to develop the young guys so if that was the mandate Flynn should have been playing for better or for worse and listen I'm I'm sure that there would have been some growing pains some bumps in the road as there have been with the rest of the young players there's been bumps in the road for Scotty too but I, I think if the priority was to develop these guys and clearly there's something there with Flynn this guy's got talent he's got ability if, if the goal was to nurture that and to and to get the best out of him, not just in the short term, but in the long term, he has to play. And, and I, I think that's going to happen now, but I, I think it should have happened sooner. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, obviously what Nick said is, is factual. He looked really uncomfortable those times that he was out there, almost like he forgot how to play basketball, almost to the point where it was like, what happened to this guy? You were really good at the end of last season. You were good at preseason and it wasn't translating. Um, but then and then the Raptors looked like they made a commitment to go with that big, long, athletic you know, type and, and put Delano in. But I agree with you. Like, how much success are you going to have when you're playing three minutes, seven minutes, like the most, he, like 11 minutes? Like he, he wasn't able to really get comfortable in his role find his rhythm so I, I'm just really impressed that he was able to come out and, and you know get the start his second start of the season on Monday and look as if he has been starting all season like he just was really prepared and ready and you know that that's exactly what Nick wants to see and what it's going to get him more minutes um, I just wonder now how much that what that what that means for Fred Van Vliet and how much Will that make ease his role up uh, moving forward? I I wonder if uh, Nick is ready to commit to giving Malachi more minutes uh, when uh, Fred comes back. And we can delve into that a little bit deeper uh, coming up because I know that's one of the questions from our mailbag. But you mentioned something quickly. You mentioned something about Goran. I don't want to quickly talk about it because Nick was, you know, he basically said the truth um, that they wanted to go younger um, and that, that they had this conversation with Goran early in the season. And so, you know, obviously it was a lot of fun having fans back in the building and then being jazzed up to, to boo Goron. But are you surprised that Nick was so honest about the Goron situation, considering that the front office put out this release saying that he's dealing with personal issues? I'm thinking, is that kind of a bad look on, on, on the, the, the organization side that they, they, they put out this release? But, you know, meanwhile, the truth is coming out. Well... I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. Like, I think they can all be true, and I think they all are true from what I've heard. Like, Goron was dealing with something. that There was a family matter. Um, now, a lot of players, I mean, they're, they're, they're people, right? Like, they've, they've got their personal lives. Things happen, and you, you juggle that. You, you balance that with, with your, your, your job, which is playing. Goron wasn't playing. The Raptors, and this is where Nick Nurse's comments come into play. The Raptors had made the decision to 
sit him to to go younger at that position. He wasn't playing. He he made his stance pretty clear early on in that like, yeah, his preferred destination was not Toronto, but yeah. he showed up. He he was playing. He wanted to play. Um, he wanted to to have a role on this team. He wanted to play for a contender, sure, but more than that, he just wanted to play. When that wasn't happening, and it was pretty clear that that wasn't going to happen, that's when he asked for a personal leave in late November in order to deal with some of those, in order to deal with that family matter, to go home and to be with his family and the Raptors obliged. Um, so I, I, I think that's, that's the timeline of events, and that's my understanding of what happened. Am I surprised how transparent Nick was this week? Maybe a little just based on how non-transparent they had been to this point. Like, I think it would have cleared up some things, at least from the fans' perspective of the confusion of not really understanding why Goran wasn't around and maybe blaming Goran more than they should have blamed Goran if the Raptors were more transparent about it early on. But with that said, I mean, it was pretty widely reported. I had reported uh, a few months ago that it was a mutual parting of ways at the time that it wasn't Goron saying okay well I don't I don't want to be here anymore forget you guys it, it was a, a mutual parting of ways an understanding between both parties essentially that Goron was going to go home and that was okay with the Raptors and the Raptors were going to do everything they could to trade him ahead of the deadline which is what ended up happening so yeah, I mean a, a little bit more transparency would have been good earlier on uh just a, a it was a brief tenure, and it was, as I like to say, a, a really bizarre short-term relationship between those two. It really was. And, of course, he didn't do himself any favors, you know, sh- you know, showing up at the practice facility in Miami, sh- showing up at Miami Heat games. Um, but for all intents and purposes, you know, everyone has always said that he was a great uh, veteran on the team, very professional, and he did leave an impact on some of the young guys um, that I have spoken to as well. Um, and it, were you it was surprised funny... by the reception he got? I, I, I mean, no. I, I mean, it, it, th- these are fans, right? This is what fans do. Um, I mean, it was re- they went really hard every time he touched the ball. It was <laughs> they were going at him. I think it, it helped. I mean, these are these are people who've been dying to get back in the building and watch a game, and it gave it, it gave the game a little extra juice, and maybe they were a little extra pumped up. I'm not really surprised. Um, I, I thought it was I thought it was a lot of fun. Obviously, the the players were surprised. Pascal's reaction after the game was like, I don't know why people were booing him because you know <laughs> he didn't really do anything. Like it wasn't really his fault. But uh, I I thought it added some extra oomph to the game. Are you surprised that they that they booed him? Uh, I was not. Um... Yeah. And, and I and I get it too, right? Like wh- whether he deserves it or not, like I understand it because this is this is a very prideful city and fan base. But at the same time, there's also that chip on the shoulder a little bit uh, exactly. because because We're of used just to being the way dissed. that yeah, just because of the way basketball is perceived uh, around the the league, the way that like Canadian basketball, Toronto basketball is viewed around the NBA, or at least the way that we think that it is, right? So when a player comes out and basically talks like they're too good for Toronto or too good for the Raptors, that is absolutely going to rub people the wrong way. Now, even at the time, I said, like, I I understand why Dragic was feeling that way after the trade. He's a veteran player towards the end of his career. Um, The Raptors were 
supposed to be and still are a young developing team he wanted to go play yeah. for a contender this wasn't his preferred destination sure i get it fine does that mean that you should say it out loud in the way that he said it no and he knew pretty quickly after that that he had made a mistake right like you can't say that so after those comments and after the optics of like i mean the raptors again they sent him home he he like that was an excused absence and what was he supposed to do sit at home right. all day like he's allowed to leave he's allowed to go work out he's even allowed to go and watch a game like I don't I don't fault him for that but again the optics not great while he's cashing checks from the Raptors so I, I yeah. get the way that it looked and I, I get why people were upset with it um, people were upset with me on Twitter well people, oh. people are always upset with me on Twitter for pointing out that like <laughs> Hey, maybe Goran doesn't deserve to be booed, but to clarify things here, I don't fault anybody for booing him. Like people, I'm not saying cheer him, boo him. Like people can do what they want to do. They're paying good money to be at these games, and this is why I say I get it and I understand it. And I, like I, I'm even okay with it to some degree. Again, whether he deserved it or not, because and you mentioned it, Nikki. This is a fan base that's been cooped up inside their homes. For more than two months, they've been watching games at home from the couch. So if some of that pent-up energy and enthusiasm has to manifest its way in a few boos here and there, so be it. Why not? It was fun. Uh, yeah, it was fun. And But I think, uh, and I don't want to like drag this out, but Goron, it was... As much as the boos were for Goron, I think the boos were for Goron and everything that he represents, uh, or all the other players that represented him. That makes sense. Like it, it was for Vince Carter. It was for the Antonio Davises who said that I don't want my kids, uh, you know, <laughs> growing up in in Canadian schools. It was for everyone who's ever thrown shade at Toronto. Not understanding. It's a long list. It's a long list, right? So it was as much as it was for Goron. It was like you don't want to be here. You don't want us. Well, we don't like you. And as much as you know, you know, the Raptors have come a long way from the from when they started having won a championship and all that we still have that chip on our shoulder because we're the only Canadian team and because we are we are different and you know whether we embrace that difference or not I I don't know it's not up for me to say if the fan base has embraced that but we will always have that chip on our shoulder and so I think it was as much as it was directed at Goron it was for everyone else who ever dissed the Toronto Raptors that's not that's what I think about that um, okay, let's uh, let's move on to let's get to the Kalos, shall we? Do you want to do the Kalos after the break? Let, let's okay. do the Kalos after the break. Uh, okay. we, we've got we've got an interesting choice this week, right? Because there mm. there were some bad moments, there were some really good moments, and a few obvious standouts. So I know for me at least, it was pretty easy choosing my three players for the Kalos this week. The question was which order were those three guys going to be in so that's my teaser there stay tuned for that we're going to do the kalos after the break we're going to open up the raptors beat mailbag and take some of your questions that's coming up next on the raptors beat welcome back to the raptors beat with josh and nikki as promised we're going to get to the kalos it's been an interesting week for the Raptors, but Josh, there have been some pretty, pretty apparent standouts uh, on the yes. team in the two losses and in the two wins. Um, 
as you tease and alluded to before the break, it's the question of who is going to get your three points, your two points, and your one point. So let's start with your top performer, your top pick for this week's Kalo. Who do you got? Yeah, l- listen, this is uh, it, it's a game time decision here. I I, yeah. I got my three guys. I the order is tough. I'm going to give my three points to a guy we were just talking about. I'm going to give it to Malachi Flynn. I mean, what was he the best Raptor this week? Probably not, and I'm sure we'll get to who I think that guy is in a moment. But in terms of expectations going into the week, I mean, like you said earlier, Nikki, like I, I don't think anyone saw that start coming, let alone how well he's played coming. Um, he's been a a really pleasant surprise here this week to step in um get the spot start in place of Fred Van Vliet to play as well as he's played and as composed as he's played too right like down the stretch of that close game on Tuesday as under control as he was running the offense he's been shooting the ball well he's defended well he's pushed the pace which is something that Nick Nurse I mean one of the criticisms of Flynn early in the season was a little bit too much dribbling, not pushing the pace enough, and that's something, of course, that the Raptors really want to do, something that Delano Banton, for all of his uh, like faults in terms of shooting and floor spacing, at least you know that Delano's in there. He's really pushing the pace, pushing the tempo. Flynn has done a great job of that here this week. Credit him for staying professional during times where I'm sure he was frustrated and, and, and doubting himself and his role on the team. Stayed professional, stayed ready, and he's taking advantage of this opportunity. So Flynn, who's been stuck on one point, I, I don't even remember when we gave him that point. <laughs> I, I but was wondering he, that. Who gave him the one he's point? He's been stuck on one point for a while. <laughs> uh, he, he gets three from me this week. <laughs> See, this is so uninteresting because I'm going to give him my three points as well for all the reasons that you said. Uh, and just for being ready, for staying ready. He obviously has been working on his game, working on his craft. He had that one awful game with the Raptors 905 too, where, you know, they, they, they sent him, they tried to give him opportunities and he wasn't capitalizing on it. So the fact that he came out on Monday and, and looked so good um, was, it was really impressive to me. And Nick Nurse was saying, you know, he, he's been showing the effort in, in film sessions and shoot arounds and practice coming early, staying late, doing all the right things. And even Pascal was praising him. And, and, you know, he he never complained, right? He never showed uh, that he was frustrated or that he was upset. If anything, his dad, Eric Flynn, did the talking for him and came out and said, <laughs> you know, how my son should be playing. So you know that he's had those conversations, obviously, with his dad, and he's frustrated, but Malachi never showed it. And that's part of the professionalism that I appreciate because he just put his head down and did his work and did his job and, and came out and just did all the things that was asked of him and all the things that Nick was looking for from him. So... Eric Hopefully Flynn was right all along. Vindication for Eric Flynn. Does he get Somewhere your two Eric, points? Yeah, he's <laughs> he should. We all need an Eric Flynn in our corner to speak up for That's us true. when we don't have that voice, right? Yeah, maybe he gets an honorary two points here. But Malachi gets my, my three points uh, for this week. Okay, two points. So there you go. Point. I mean, he's gone from one point to seven points in just a few minutes here. He went from being tied with our, our guy Takeshi with one point, <laughs> to now very appropriately being tied with Delano Banton, Banton. with yeah. seven points. So there you go. Malachi Flynn moving on up the Kalo leaderboard. I'm going to give my two points to Scotty Barnes yeah. this week. The best Raptor 
I think pretty clear. I mean, even in those losses, he was in foul trouble in Atlanta, but was excellent in Charlotte. I mean, I think for him and probably the next guy that we're going to talk about, the the all-star break was important. Barnes, I mean, he's already played more than three times the amount of minutes as he played last year um, at Florida State. It was starting to wear on him, I think, just before the all-star break as you started to see him hit a bit of a rookie wall, and it's understandable, probably dealing with some bumps and bruises too. So having some time off, a chance to uh, really recalibrate and reset, I think has helped. He's had fresh legs. And listen, he's doing it all at a really high level right now, like literally checking off every box. He's rebounding, he's passing, he's scoring, he's defending. He's making those little Lowry-esque winning plays towards the end of the game on Mm -hmm. Tuesday. He was diving on the floor for loose balls, had that huge block near the end of the game, made that pass, no-look pass to Thad Young for a big, I think that was the go-ahead bucket. Uh, He's playing really, really well right now and uh, making a, a, another push I think for being in the rookie of the year conversation so two points for me for yeah, Scotty Burns he gets my two points as well for all the reasons that you said and you know after that that uh, that game against Brooklyn on Monday you know they were Monday yeah Monday they were talking about him on the TNT broadcast and whenever you know you get talked about on the TNT broadcast you're doing something right so he's he's obviously ha- having a great go at it right now instead of regurgitating everything you just said because he gets my two points, I want to quickly ask you, do you do you think, like, what's the ceiling now for, for Scotty? Like, he's just been so impressive in his rookie season. Like, how much better do you think he can actually get? A lot. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, right? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that there, that there is a ceiling. Like, he, he's got superstar ability. He's got superstar quality, and he's showing it a lot faster, a lot quicker than I I think anybody expected, including probably the Raptors themselves, right? Like, I mean, obviously, Masai Ujiri, Bobby Webster, and company saw something. They didn't just spin a wheel and decide, okay, Scotty Barnes (laughs) over Jalen Suggs. They saw something, but I I mean, I, I, I would feel confident saying that he's exceeded even their early expectations sure. so yeah I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that I'm comfortable saying like this is as good as he's gonna get or or yeah. this is the player that he that that his his ceiling is is this player um he, he's the Raptors uh, I've got a good one here I'll say that yeah and he really did redeem himself after that all-star skills competition or whatever that was where he couldn't nail that little that little bunny in front of the room there he did he does it when it matters right when when it matters when uh when there's wins and losses to be had okay who is uh lastly who's your one point going to this week yeah this has got to be precious achua like he he was quiet in in the game against brooklyn on tuesday but i I mean outside of that he's been he's been great since the yeah. all-star break and i think so much of it comes down to what i just talked about with with barnes and i i talked to precious the the other day before the game on tuesday and he, he basically said the same thing that i mean nick nurse was saying that the experience of being at all-star and and playing in the rising stars game probably helped them from a confidence standpoint and i think there's something there too but precious was saying if, if there was anything over the all-star break that really helped prompt the, this play that we've seen from him over the last week it's it's the rest it's the time off because not unlike scotty he's played a, a lot a ton more minutes 
than than he did as a rookie in Miami last year. So uh, he he's looked great. I mean, he's shooting the ball really well right now from the corners. But I, I think the biggest thing is like he's been far better around the rim, around the oh. bucket, putting the ball on the floor, driving to the rim than when we saw him earlier in the season when it was an adventure to to put it one way. Like <laughs> he he's looked yeah. far more under control. Um, there's decisive. a method to the madness now. Yeah. Decisive, absolutely, making good reads and passing the ball well too. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty exciting, too. I know earlier in the show we were saying that, like, the margin for error for this team is is small because of the lack of depth. And, listen, I, I it's only been a few games here. I don't want to overreact to what we've seen from some of these role guys. But I do think the margin for error goes up a little bit if all of a sudden you're getting more from the Precious Achuas and the Malachi Flynns. You know, if, if Thaddeus Young has been really good recently, too, and maybe he's an honorable mention here for me and the, the Kalos this week um it's been nice to see some of those bench guys some of those depth guys step up because the Raptors are going to need them especially if Van Vliet and Ananobi aren't fully healthy here for the next little bit yeah that's a good call uh for Precious I, I I'm absolutely blown away night and day uh from the beginning of the season where he looked almost unplayable to now where now you're just like okay well if you've improved this much uh, you know, for the first half of the season, and then the what, what's, what, where are we going to go? You know, next season and, and moving forward. So that is exciting. Sure. I'm going to be different just because we've been the same on on the first two. I'm going to go with Thad Young, because you mentioned yep. him maybe getting an honorable mention. Um, just a short time with the team, but he's definitely made an impact. He he led the. The, the, the team with Benjamin is 23, 23 minutes in the last game, and he's had double-digit points in the last three outings. And and here's a guy who, in that Atlanta game, you saw him almost defer. He didn't he didn't want to shoot the ball. There was two shot clock violations. Those were a bit frustrating. And Nick Nurse came out and said to him, listen, if you have the opportunity, you have to take that shot. And in the last two games, we saw him doing that. We saw him, like, he he went three for three on, on Monday from from beyond the arc, and then two for three, and, and he's just making impact, and he making he's making them on both sides of the ball, and you have again that veteran presence, that leadership, um, so he's uh, he's someone that's getting my my one point. I'm like, well, there you go, now, now, Thaddeus Young, who had gotten a couple points from us earlier, uh, probably a couple weeks ago. He's got three points. Precious Achua now with my one point has three points, which ties them with. Dot, dot, dot. Goran Dragic. So, there you go. <laughs> should we should we take Goran's name off the list? Like, should he be expelled from uh, being available on the Kalo leaderboard? Yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm cool with, like, Takeshi being on this list. We've got, it's a, it's a, it's a big <laughs> list now, the, the Kalo list. But yeah. I think maybe we strike Goran Dragic off of the record. Get out of here, Goran. It never happened. He, he was never a Raptor. All right, let's let's take a couple questions quickly here. Uh, this this it, it touches a little bit on what we've already been talking about, but Lee asks, has Flynn now earned significant minutes off the bench, even when Fred is healthy? I don't know about significant necessarily, but I do think like it, this is a good situation in that like there's there's no point guard controversy. It's not like he's coming in and taking somebody's minutes necessarily. The point the backup point guard spot has been open. They've been looking for somebody. I still think. Pascal can can run the point and, and get those reps, which he's been doing so well of over the last few months. But you need another ball handler in the backcourt anyway. Um, 
you could use another shooter and Flynn theoretically, I know he hasn't been shooting the ball well this year, but theoretically he gives you another shooter on the floor. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes all the sense in the world, especially with Van Vliet banged up when he does come back. Maybe you don't play Fred Van Vliet 42 minutes every game. Yeah, I, I agree. And I don't know if Fred and Fred and Flynn can play together because that'd be, that'd be super small, but I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not the coach here, but how do you think Flynn would look with the bench unit? Do you think that he can, he can run those guys? I think so, especially because, like I said, it, it, it's not fully on him. Like early in the year, and maybe that was one of the reasons why he fell out of the uh, rotation a little bit, is they would put him out there as yeah. like the lone point guard, the lone ball handler with that right. group when Fred wasn't on the floor. And I think like he, he had some trouble running that, that unit. But what's changed since then, of course, is that Pascal has really taken a big step forward as a playmaker. And, and now almost like you're, you're probably playing Flynn off the ball quite a bit, or at least as like the one B to one to Pascal's one A as, as the primary creator out there I think that takes pressure off of Flynn and it'll take pressure off of Pascal in that lineup too so I like it again it's only been two games but and and Flynn acknowledged that I think after the first game he said listen I've got to do it again in this league you've always got to be able to do it again so let, let's see what happens here over the next few weeks before we we anoint Malachi as as the <laughs> backup point guard but as I was saying earlier, it probably should have happened earlier, so I'm cool with it. Um, very quickly, Udev asks, should we attempt to add Julian Champagny to our roster in the upcoming draft? Julian, of course, the twin brother of Justin Champagny. He's having a really good year at St. John's University. I'm not sure that he's going to be available when the Raptors, remember, they gave up their first-round pick. They're now, they now have Detroit's early second round pick i'm not sure he's gonna be there um i think unlike justin went undrafted of course but julian's getting some some buzz here in the the draft conversation i've seen him anywhere from like mid first round late first round yeah i mean if okay. he, he's there early in the second round i think he'd look pretty good next to his brother as a toronto raptor have there ever been a brother no there's never been a brother duo on the raptors no that would be interesting. That'd be an interesting wrinkle. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you your scouting report on Julian Champagny. I believe your scouting report. I haven't done a deep dive uh, into the twin, <laughs> um, so I trust what you're saying here. But that would be that would be interesting, an interesting storyline at least. All right, we're we're gonna do some Raptor, Raptors rapid fire on the other side of the break. Got some interesting ones for you this week, uh, inspired in part by. The not-so-warm welcome that Goran Dragic got the other night. We'll talk about some Raptors villains of the past. Who is our favorite? Who was the most random? Who was the weirdest Raptors villain? Uh, we'll also take a look at the very tight Eastern Conference standings. That's coming up next on the Raptors Beat. Welcome back to the Raptors Beat. Josh and Nikki winding things down here with you as we get to the Raptors rapid fire segment. And Josh, it really is the dawn of a new day here in Toronto with the Raptors uh, fans back aloud in the building. You were there this week uh, in the house. First of all, just how much of a difference was it for you to be in the building with fans? And how much of a difference do you think having full capacity crowds will have on this team? 
Yeah, it, it, it was noticeable. I mean, obviously, it's it's not- noticeable for for us. Um, there are a few people on press row that weren't so happy. They're like, "Oh, it's harder to write now. It's harder to work with all this noise." And there are all these people <laughs> no, around. No, they were like, complaining. Eh, Come yeah, on. Yeah, well, that's that's uh, that's uh, us media, us writers for you. Uh, but no, I mean, it's obviously <laughs> going to be noticeable for for us. That I think the question is, was it noticeable for the guys on the court? Because so often with players and coaches, we always ask like. Did you hear this? Did you hear that? And usually the answer is there's so much going on in the court. Like, I mean, they've got a lot to do out there. So I'm not sure that they're usually paying attention to the crowd very much. But we we asked them that after the game on Tuesday. And pretty much everybody said, like, yeah. I mean, Pascal said you could hear a pin drop in here a few weeks ago. So this was definitely noticeable. Nick Nurse, of course, talked about notice the booing of Goran Dragic and all of that. But, like, there was, an, there was a buzz in there. There was an atmosphere in there all night. The fans were into it. It was great to see. And I do think, like, at the end of a close game, mm-hmm. which was the case on Tuesday, on Tuesday to have yeah. the crowd into it, like, that, that helps. That makes a difference. All of a sudden, I know the Raptors feel like they've got their home court advantage back. There's 11 home games left in the regular season. And th- this could very well make a-, a tangible difference. The Raptors right now, like there, you look at the standings, they've got a pretty good cushion now on Brooklyn, three games for that seven seed. And the reason why that matters is if you do end up in the play-in tournament, you've got home court advantage. You're playing at home. And if it does come against Brooklyn, maybe that means no Kyrie Irving right now that would be with the the sanctions with the restrictions the way they are right now that would mean no Kyrie Irving if the game is in Toronto in addition obviously to having your fans and that atmosphere in the building so that could make a big difference and of course the Raptors to borrow a phrase from our friend Goron have higher aspirations than the play-in seed they're now a game and a half behind Boston and Cleveland for fifth and sixth and guaranteed playoff spot um, and they're not even that far. They're three games out of home court advantage, and obviously that would require them to go on a major run here down the stretch, but that's why I say having your fans back, having that home court advantage back towards the end of the season, yeah, it, it matters. It makes a difference for sure. Yeah, and it goes both ways, right? Like you want your fans there to, I don't know, rile up or intimidate or somehow throw off the opposition. So as much as they're there to support you, uh, you want them to, you know, throw some shade like they did uh, to Goron on Tuesday. I don't know how rattled he was. Well, he, you know, he wasn't, uh, he didn't seem too rattled when he was shushing the crowd. But uh, but still, you want that atmosphere created. Okay, you were alluding to uh, the playoff seating and the Raptors who are now in, the, for them to, for them to make the playoffs, um, a guaranteed playoff seed, which team in the East do you think they'd have to surpass or would have to fall out? Um, I, th- I think Cleveland is probably the team that people are expecting to come down to earth a little bit. They've been so good all season long. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the future is bright there. But, yeah, I, I mean, even recently they've lost, what, two in a row, five of their last six games. I, I think they're potentially vulnerable like Boston, Boston is the team technically closest to the Raptors right now, but they've been so red hot recently, and that was yeah. a team I think you expected to get it going later in the season because they've got some veteran guys. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, Cleveland is probably the Raptors' best chance, I think, and you've got a couple games if you're the Raptors against them as well, including one coming up here on Sunday. So they, they would be the team to catch. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And you talk about their youth and inexperience, and that's something the Raptors uh, could capitalize on and take advantage of. And, and you know, the, the the East is just is terrifying. Like, Philly just looks terrifying to me right now. I can't believe how well uh, James Harden has has integrated into this team. But then again, maybe I shouldn't be surprised because uh, he, he wanted out of uh, of Brooklyn. Okay, so you, you alluded to it. Goran Dragic, uh, not so warm welcome into Toronto. Um, those booze, man, they were raining down on him. When you, when you think about Raptors villains, who who is the weirdest one or the most rap, random Raptors villain that you can think of? Oh wow. Um there there's a lot of it's them, a long right? List. Like I mean I, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean I yeah. I think like the first few that come to mind in terms of like notable maybe similar to, to Dragic in the sense that they weren't here very long, or in this case probably not here at all. Kenny Anderson was one of the first players to refuse to to report to Toronto after the Damon Stoudemire trade. Um yep. he was booed. Uh, Alonzo Mourning, of course, never showed up after the Vince Carter trade. And that was similar to Dragic. I mean, uh, Dragic showed up at least, but similar in the (laughs) sense that Mourning's contract, he was a veteran player at the time, was included in that deal for salary matching purposes, never with the intention of really playing or having a a long-term role with the team. Um, So those are two that stand out in terms of like weirdest or most random. I mean, obviously, Paul Pierce, a guy who never played for the Raptors, but was very much a Raptors villain for a long time. That that was a fun one, a fun uh, rivalry for a little bit. Of course, uh, when he came out and said the Raptors don't have it. And then the block on Lowry at the end of the uh, the net series, the shot that he hit with Washington. Like, so that that was a, a fun one for a little while in terms of one's that I never really understood. I'm not sure why Tracy McGrady was ever booed. Like, he he left, but he left as a free agent, unrestricted free agent, never really said anything bad about the Raptors, I don't think, on his way out. He wanted a chance to be the guy, which was never going to happen here with Vince Carter. Um, He went home to Orlando, so I never really understood that so much. I don't understand why Damari Carroll got booed for a little bit after uh, he left. Uh, do you, do yeah, you think Chris Bosch is a villain? It's a long list. In some he was. Bosch, yeah. I mean, Vince Carter was. For, for I mean, Vince Carter went from hero to villain, now to hero again. Chris Bosch, so, same thing. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, we have a lot of villains, obviously. And then that just, you know, reinforces why Raptors fans have a chip on their shoulder, why they're, you know, so jaded. Because we've but been time heals so all times. wounds, right? It, it, like, it after... doesn't for me. Like, Chris, Vince Carter will always be <laughs> a, a villain to me. I don't I don't care this revisionist history that we now paint this yeah. picture of him as this, like, I don't know, this guy. Well, it, you blame the Raptors franchise, which was in disarray at the time, but he still did what he did to the, the team. He still, you know, left at probably the most important juncture of the franchise's history to go to his graduation. There's just a lot of things that he's done that I will just <laughs> so never forget. So you're not forgive. ready to retire the jersey? I'm, no, I'm not. Like, and then the, the, the standing ovation when he came back for potentially his last game. Like, no, it was all BS. Get out of here. Get out of here, Vince. We might need I, more than two minutes for this debate, for this conversation. But I agree with you, actually, on the Vince Carter. <laughs> stuff uh you tell watanabe and his dunk on kessler oh. edwards on monday oh. uh 
It, w- it was a good one. Scotty Barnes, though, a tough critic, gave it 8 out of 10 because he missed the free throw. Pascal Siakam, a far more generous um, dunking judge, gave him uh, a 20 out of 10. <laughs> so what do you rate it? I I gave it a, a solid, like, 9 out of 10 because it's we've never seen that from Utah. I didn't know he had that in him, that kind of fire, that kind of tenacity. And so it kind of just came out of nowhere. Um, yeah, he didn't, you know, hit the hit the free throw, and he looked so disappointed after that. But I was just so impressed that he had that in his bag. Um, yeah, I was. I, I liked it. You know, Utah's not afraid of contact. He's not afraid of, like, uh, no. going up against anyone. And so for him to do that, uh, I just uh, I really liked it. I like to see him aggressive like that. What would you give him? But did, did it count as a dunk, though? Because I'm not even sure he touched the rim. It was like he threw it in. He <laughs> threw it down. It was almost like I remember that was like a big thing in a dunk contest where Dwight Howard didn't actually dunk. He like, yeah, yeah. threw the ball. He was above the rim and threw the ball down. And people are like, right, well, right. does that count as a dunk or a layup? But no, th- th- this was a dunk. It was really good, really impressive. I love that Like even he was caught off guard a little bit afterwards, didn't really know. He's so humble. He didn't really know what to do. So it was like a half flex that he did. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it an eight and a half out of ten. It, it was for an in-game dunk, but eight eight point seven out of ten. Let's say eight point okay. seven out of ten in-game dunk. It was really really good. Uh, we we've got a run here, but. Uh, another busy week for the Raptors. Of course, the mighty Detroit Pistons, Dwayne Casey and the Pistons in town uh, tonight. You can listen to that game on TSN 1050. Nikki and I, as well as the great Jim Taddy, will have pregame coverage for you at 7 o'clock. The Magic uh, in town on Friday. And then the Raptors head out on a six-game road trip. So we'll chat about that and so much more here next week. Our usual time, we'll be back with you next Thursday at 10 a.m. In the meantime, check us out on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, anywhere where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and follow, rate, and review. On behalf of Chris Diavero back in studio and Nikki Reyes, thanks for listening.